We're going to uh, dig into um, our, our sermon series that we uh, have been preaching on, uh, and we're going to go through the I Am's of Jesus. Now, a, a few things that I've seen recently as I've been doing research through all of this, uh, there was a video message to churchgoers, uh, and it was one of the most recognized religious leaders in the world. He made this stunning statement. He said, many think differently, feel differently, seeking God or meeting God in different ways. In this crowd, in this range of religions, there is only one certainty that we all have. We are all children of God. And if you're not for sure who said that, it was Pope uh, Francis, 2016. Another popular pastor, best-selling author unveiled his belief in universalism when he said this there are many ways there there may be many ways to god and that was joel steen in 2015 now you may say travis well that was 2015 2016 and you're quoting uh different people but i believe there are many americans and some christians that hold to some of these as well it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Good people go to heaven. My God would never send anyone to hell. Whatever works for you, whatever is true for you, that is truth. It's arrogant to believe that there's only one way to heaven. Now you may not agree with everything I'm going to say, but... Don't shut down on me as we work through this message this morning. Because I want to urge you to understand and to apply what you're hearing. Because your eternity literally depends on it. In John chapter 14, verse 6, that's where we're going to be at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and open them. Um, John chapter 14 uh, is where we're going to be at. <clears throat> Jesus gives this I am statement. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now here's the big idea. Here's the main point. Here is the sermon in one sentence. If I believe the Bible, I must believe that Jesus is the only way. Now it doesn't mean that you can tune out because you've heard the sermon in one sentence. You've got to keep with me here. I want to make it a little bit more personal for you as well. If you don't believe in, if you do not receive Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven, you will spend eternity in the never-ending fires of hell. That's quite an opening, isn't it? What I just said is probably politically incorrect, but I believe with all of my heart that it is biblically correct. We call this tough truth. We call this gracious good news. We shouldn't be surprised that our culture and even some religious leaders reject the truth of Christianity. What, what is shocking is that according to a poll of Americans, 57% of evangelical church attenders believe many religions can lead to eternal life. This study found a growing pluralistic impulse towards tolerance. 7.5 million Americans since 2012 have lost their faith. And I'm sure that that number is even higher. <clears throat> My aim today 
may perhaps be unattainable. But I want each of you to agree with this statement by the time that we're finished. If I believe the Bible, if I believe that it is God's word, that Jesus is the only way. Now many people, they will react negatively when they hear this comment being made. When they hear that Jesus is the only way to heaven, you may receive bitter insults. You may be called arrogant, bigoted, intolerant, exclusive, and narrow-minded. They may even call us hate mongers. We're not insulated from this in our community. And we need to be prepared that when we say that Jesus is the only way, that people will reject them and us. Last week we looked at the fourth I am, Jesus is the good shepherd. And as we focus on the fifth I am statement of Jesus, we will discover that when Jesus is actually going to say that I am the way and the truth and the life, his disciples were absolutely distraught. They were filled with fear. He has just announced to them that he is going to be leaving. And they are literally scared to death of what could happen. Now, you may be saying, Travis, we went from John chapter 10. We've been staying very steady, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Why all of a sudden are we jumping to chapter 14? If I'm not mistaken, in John chapter 11, we get Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Why are we skipping that one? Good question. I'm glad you asked. It's because we're going to save that one for Easter. Because he is the resurrection and the life. And and in just a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about comeback stories. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that he is alive. He is the resurrection and the life. So as we're looking through this, in John chapter 11, we're going to come back to that. In John chapter 11, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. In John chapter 12, we have the triumphal entry. We have Jesus predicting his own death. In John chapter 13, he's going to be in the upper room. It's the last week of Jesus' life. Now, we've actually made it to the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet. He tells Judas to go and do what he needs to do. And right before we get to our our scripture here of John chapter 14, he's going to predict Peter's denial. So in all of this, with everything that is happening, what does Jesus have to offer us? I believe that there's four things that Jesus has to offer us. You know, there's a lot of fear in the world today. There's a lot of people that are worried about their jobs there's a lot of people that are worried of where they're going to find their next meal there's a lot of people worried are we going to be able to get hamburger and 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 chicken are we going to be able to find eggs do we have enough toilet paper a lot of people are really really worried there's fear there's anxiety there's stress But in all of that, Jesus has four things to offer us just 
as he did to those first disciples in that upper room. He's, in just a couple of chapters, he's actually predicted his own death twice. They were really worried about what was happening. And the first thing that he has to offer is peace. The first assurance he has is peace. The disciples, they were upset. But tenderly, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Now the tense here means to stop letting your hearts be troubled. Indicating that they were already wigging out. Already they were freaking out of what Jesus is saying. He's told Judas to leave and go do what he has to do. He's looked at Peter and these other ten disciples are paying attention. And he says, Peter, you're the oldest one. You're the one that's kind of the leader. But you're the one that's going to deny me. And right after he says this to Peter, he changes it. And the tense isn't just to to, to stop worrying and, and, and to stop it from happening, he then is talking, the your that is mentioned here is a plural your. So he's went from talking just straight to Peter to all of the disciples. All of them need to stop. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. It literally means to be stirred up. In the second half of verse 1, Jesus makes another claim to deity. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying, I and the Father are one. He's saying something like this. You trusted in God who is invisible, and that's great. Now it's time to trust in me, even though I will be leaving you for a while. I am the only way to have peace. In the midst of all of the trouble... Trust in Christ. So the first thing that Jesus has to offer is that peace. He says, hey, calm down. I know there's a lot of things that are worrying you and a lot of things that are stressing you out. You have a lot of anxiety happening right now. And he says to you right now, just turn off the news. Hit your knees. Pray. God's got this. Jesus brings us The second thing that I believe that he brings us is a place. For those who know Jesus, death isn't some eerie journey to an unknown destination. Believers are assured that there is a place where all wrongs will be made right, where all imbalances will be straightened out. Look at verse 2. Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you. The Greek word here for rooms, it means to abide or to remain. It refers to some something that is not temporary but permanent. Friends, I want you to know that our place here, it won't last, but we're headed to a place that is everlasting. And almost every uh, funeral that I preach, there's one thing that I want to make sure that I always say. You know, we look at this land as the land of the living and that we're passing over to the land of the dead. But in all reality, we're actually leaving the place of the dead and going to the land of the living. 
as Christians, we know where we're going. And we know that we have something so great in store for us. And we must make sure that we remember that. You see, when Jesus said that he's going to prepare a place for them, he's drawing a very familiar image to them. You see, back then, whenever there would be a a great distance to be traveled, and and if a group of people were going, he would actually, they would send ahead people to make all of the preparations. And, And what we have to understand with all of that is they didn't have GPS. They weren't able to pull up Travelocity on their phones and book their reservations well in advance. They actually had to send someone and make those reservations they actually had to send someone to where they would know where they were headed this actually happened again as jesus is saying this they're in the upper room and what he did here if if we read all of the the gospels together jesus actually sends two of them ahead to make all of the preparations for the passover feast that they were going to need so this is something that was very very familiar with them that he go ahead of the rest of us jesus said that there is a place for those who believe in him in fact he left the disciples to go get it ready for them and for us you see jesus gives us peace he calls us to another place and number three he brings us a promise jesus calms his frantic followers those young disciples In verse 3, he says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus reinforces this a few verses later. In verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, a little bit more context of what actually would happen during the first century um, is whenever a a son was going to be married, what he would do is that he would go to the father and say, hey, dad, um, I'm ready to be married and I found the woman that is for me. And what they would do is they would actually add on to the house. They would add on another room to the house that would be for the son and the daughter-in-law. And and once the room was finished, then they would go uh, and and have the marriage ceremony and they would be wed and they would come and live in the father's house. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going to build a home for you. I'm going to create a mansion that's just for you. And I'm coming back. He's coming back to get his bride. And that is us. You know, the Bible is full of promises of of God and not one of them has ever been broken. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. Let's trust his peace. Let's focus on the right place. And let's claim his promises. And then number four, Let's commit to follow his plan. What is his plan? Look at verse 4. And you know where I'm going. Now, Thomas. Oh, Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas, right? Yeah. And in a couple of different places, Thomas is known as as Doubting, and, and here is just another one of those places. He gets a bad rap because Jesus says, Hey, and you know where I'm going. And Thomas goes, 
I don't know Jesus. I, I, can't, I, I have no clue. And we look at Thomas as one that doubts. Maybe what we need to see is Thomas is the one that is willing to search. To ask the right questions. And he wasn't afraid. And you shouldn't be either. If there is ever a time that I preach on something and you're like, Travis, I have no clue what you said. I want you to call me. I want you to text me. Not right now. But I want you to call me. I want you to text me. You can, you, you, you can make a comment right now and, and Kristen will let me know that you've made that comment and, and, and I will answer those questions for you. Don't ever be afraid to ask a question. Ask the hard questions. The rest of the disciples, they were scared to death. They didn't know for sure what to do. And Thomas is the one going, hey Jesus, I have no clue where you're going. In verse 6, Jesus answers the questions. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now what we get out of this is there's only one way. There's only one truth. And Jesus says, hey, you can't get to heaven except through me. And Jesus says, there's only plan A. There's not plan B. There's not plan C. There's only one way. And that is through me. Period. I and the Father am one. Listen, Jesus is very inclusive in the fact that everyone is invited to a relationship with him. No one, we talked about this last week, no one is excluded. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. What matters is that the way is open to you. However, what we have to understand is that his claims are extremely exclusive. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Now, how does this mess with the pluralistic society like ours? How does all of this mesh with the values of variety and excludes exclusive truth claims? It's helpful to remember that when Jesus said this, when John is writing this, when Peter and Paul and John write their epistles later in the New Testament, when they were writing to those different churches, these biblical authors lived in a world that was filled with paganism, filled with pluralism. In the midst of all of the doctrinal diversity, the Bible makes some rather startingly, starting, startingly claims that run counterculture to the pluralistic mantra of religious tolerance. If I believe the Bible, I must believe what Jesus says in John 14, verse 6. And that's more than sufficient, but I want to give you just a few more verses that back this up. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, Jesus made it very clear. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. In John chapter 3, verse 36, we read, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. As I've already shared with you, for our Easter service, 
John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Peter boldly made this statement in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other way, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, we read, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. His statements of divine authority are incompatible with the homogenizing views of religious pluralists. The claims of Christ are actually outrageous but they happen to be what j gk chesterson called the wild truth you see the way that we need to picture jesus isn't some good teacher he isn't some prophet he's either a liar a lunatic or lord either everything that he said is a lie Either everything that he said and did, he just is a lunatic. I mean, why would you put a group of people together and then go to a cross? It was excruciating. It was painful. He had to be a lunatic to do that. Or your last option, he is your Lord. He is your Lord. He is my Lord. And that's what I hold on to. Let's dive more deeply into John chapter 14, verse 6, and let's break it all down. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's break this down. Jesus says, he is the way. Jesus is categorically stating that only one way is right and every other way is wrong. Jesus does not merely show the way, he himself is the way. Incidentally, the, the fact that Jesus is the only way was so central to the understanding of the early Christians that in the book of Acts, we actually see there that the believers were known as the way. Not, they weren't known as Christians, they weren't known as disciples, but this ragtag group of people were known as the way. Six different times in the book of Acts, the community of the church is known as the way you see the way to heaven is not through a religious system it's not by following a bunch of rules and regulations and ritual uh, religious rituals it's not within you it's not your sincere efforts proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death so Jesus is the way. Number two, Jesus is the truth. The word truth in Scripture is used in two ways. True as contrasted with false and genuine as opposed to fake. You see, Jesus is authentic. Jesus is trustworthy. When we look at Jesus, we come face to face with certainty in reality truth is the scariest commodity in the world we hear people say well that may be true for you but it's not for me researcher george barnara has discovered that nearly 75 percent 
75% of Americans do not believe in absolute truth. That's scary. And here's the sad part about that. Without clarity, without consistency of absolute moral truth, we're just reduce, reduced to doing whatever seems right, whatever feels good, whatever produces the least resistance, and what provides the greatest personal fulfillment. Listen, it's not mean. It's not bigoted. It's not narrow-minded to say that Jesus is the only way if it's the truth. Not the truth for you, but if it is truly the truth. You see, what is in all actuality, it's mean, it's bigoted, and it's narrow-minded. If you know this truth, and you don't share it with those that are around you. What was true a hundred years ago, what was true a thousand years ago, what was true two thousand years ago, remains the truth today. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Friends, if you're searching for, searching for truth, ask your questions. Research the relevance of the Bible. Seek after truth. You remember that scene from A Few Good Men? The very end of the movie is probably the best part of the movie. There's some really good parts along the way. But then there's that one scene where Jack Nicholas and Tom Cruise, they're going back and forth. And Tom Cruise says, I want the truth. And Jack Nicholas, he says, Nicholson, Jack Nicholson, not the golfer, sorry. Totally messed that one up completely. Not the golfer. Jack Nicholson. He says, you can't handle the truth. Can you handle the truth? That's enough over there. You settle down. Can you handle the truth of Jesus Christ? Even though Jesus was standing right in front of Pilate. Pilate is, is ready to make the decision of whether or not to have Jesus flogged, beaten, and ultimately crucified. And Pilate asks a question. He voiced a question that are probably in many Americans' minds today. People all around the world today. What is truth? He had the truth standing right in front of him, but he was too scared. His fear gripped him so much that he may lose his place as the governor over Jerusalem to actually find out the answer. Please don't wait. Please make sure that you share. Please make sure that people know Jesus is the way. The last point that, that we have is, is Jesus is the life. Just as spiritual death leads to separation from God, so life implies communion with Him. We are dead without Him. 
we become alive when we surrender ourselves to Him. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I love the quote that Albert Muller writes. He says, if all we need is a teacher of enlightenment, the boodle will do. If all we need is a collection of gods, for every occasion Hinduism will do. If all we need is a tribal deity, a tribal deity will do. If all we need is a lawgiver, Moses will do. If all we need is a set of rules and a way of devotion, Muhammad or Joseph Smith will do. If all we need is inspiration and insight into self, Oprah will do. But if we need a Savior, if we need one that will forgive our sins, only Jesus will do. So how do we bring all of this together? How do we we apply this into our lives today? I think there's three ways that we can put all of this together. The first one is to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Look again at the last part of verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that little word, except, means that apart from Jesus, there is no way to be saved. You cannot get there by trusting in yourself. And you cannot come to the Father by jumping through a bunch of religious hoops. The only way to come to know Jesus, to know faith, to know God, to have everlasting life, is to come to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Be like Thomas. Ask your questions. And when you find what you're looking for, cry out. Like what we do in John, or what he did in John chapter 20, verse 28. Thomas, after seeing the risen Lord, touching the Lord, this is what he does. He says, my Lord and my God. You can say the same thing. Are you ready to do that right now? Do you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ? Today can be that very day. Number two, tell others about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, friends. We don't have to make Jesus more palatable to people. He is the truth. And His truth will stand up to any investigation our job is to tell others about him without caving in to the culture pressure we don't have to water down what salvation looks like he is salvation the truth that jesus is the only way should make us bold but it should also break us we must hold to this tough truth but it should also tenderize us and put a tear in our eyes that there are those that will spend eternity 
in hell if they don't know him. Instead of holding it over someone's head as a hammer, let's go to them with love, grace, and mercy. The same grace, love, and mercy that has been shown to us. Jesus is truly the only way. You can hear this I am statement from Jesus and conclude that he is bigoted, beautiful that this claim is either limited or loving intolerant or invitational the unkindest thing would be to keep it to ourselves who is your one more who's the one person that right now you're thinking of that needs to hear this message Listen, with all of the uncertainty of the world, and not just because of this virus, not because of the stock market, not because of anything else that's happening right now, but we're told that the day is coming. In Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Now, he said that 2,000 years ago, and we don't know whether it will be this hour or whether it will be another thousand years from now. But what we do know is we need to speak the truth. Who can you share it with? Who can you invite to Facebook Live next week? And then lastly, stand up for the truth. No matter how hard it will be, stand up for the truth. The truth of John 14, verse 6, answers three key questions that everyone has. How can I be saved? He is the way. How can I be sure? He is truth. How can I be satisfied? He is life. Do you believe this? Be bold about Jesus. But be bold about Jesus with a smile on your face. When you're going to the supermarket this week, you're going to see signs that say one gallon of milk, one loaf of bread, one thing of disinfectants, one thing of water. Don't get all upset and irate, but I've got a family of 10 and I need more. Ah! Don't lose your faith in those moments. Be the example of Jesus Christ. Set the way. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that today can be that very day. And if it's a decision that you need to make, I want you to make it and I want you to call me. I want you to comment right now if you're making that decision. Let us know. And we will get together with you. We will talk about what that decision means. We will talk about what next steps you have uh, to make in that motion, uh, that moment of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you need prayer, you can comment right now. You can call me. You can text me. You can email me. And we'll be praying for you. If maybe you've fallen off the road, you've kind of went off the path, 
someone about what it means to get right back on, I want you to know, you can comment right now. Right now, you can email me. You can text me. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to be there for you to however I can. The staff will be there to help answer your questions, to be with you. Your elders love you and they want to be there for you. The doors, they're not closed. The church is always open because we are the church. If you have a decision to make, if you need prayer right now, whatever you need, we're going to sing one last song. I want you to make that decision right now. Thank you.